Hallelujah. Uh, we thank God for this privilege. And we bring you greetings from a from place from Kamgoshin. Uh, that is where God is. And when, because he's God of all the earth, he visits, he visits once in a while. So we have been enjoying God in the bush. Hallelujah. And we think it is a great privilege to be in the camp. For as many who have had the privilege of coming, I think you bear testimony to this. So let us pray. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we thank you for this privilege that you have gathered us together to hear from above. To whom can we turn? Father Peter answered it for us. He says, we know and we believe that you have the words of eternal life. Our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, there is no other person who can help us. So we beg you this evening, be merciful unto us and bring to us the words of eternal life. So that we shall have that love and have it in abundance. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray with thanksgiving. Amen. So the Lord is asking us this evening to look at understanding the life of the flesh. Maybe that is what you will take for this evening. And we are begging God for that grace. Uh that as the Lord releases, I receive grace to also deliver, so that nothing shall be missing along the line, because it is such a crucial matter, so critical that uh, we cannot uh, take anything for granted concerning the flesh. So how can we understand the life of the flesh? I believe when we begin to also look at what happened to that man God put in the garden and what terminated his appointment in the garden and he, he ended outside the garden, maybe the Lord will help us to, to begin to understand how, how cruel the flesh is. So briefly, let us look at Genesis chapter 2. Maybe we'll pick it from verses 7 and 8. And then we, we, we just jump because uh, we just want to pick what we are talking about. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living soul. And the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden. And there he put the man whom he had formed. Verse 15. And the Lord God took the man and put him into the garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. By looking at the verses 23-24 of Genesis chapter 3. We see how this beautiful life was just terminated. Therefore, the Lord God sent him forth from the garden of Eden to till the ground from whence he was taken. So he drove out the man and he placed at the east of the garden of Eden cherubims and a flaming sword. We turn every way to keep the way of the tree of life. What happened? What did God find in man that compelled God, who is long-suffering, not to be any longer long-suffering concerning this matter? Because right from Genesis chapter 1, we have seen the grand plan of God. So let us make man in our image and in our likeness 
and all those things that followed. So coming to Genesis chapter 2, God followed with the meeting in heaven. He created man. He breathed the breath of life into man. Man became a living soul. And then, uh, I, I believe we know the story, so we cannot go into the details. But we know what happened. Man became a partner with God. Man came into fellowship with God. And even being a partner, God brought all the things that he had created and he saw the name that man would give to any and whatever name man gave to any of the beasts God had created, God appended his signature. So what happened? What did he see in man? What caused God to abandon his project? He didn't care about the investment he has made. He didn't care about what was going to go waste. And God said, I cannot continue with this man. Like I'm saying, it is such a grievous matter. It did not only happen in Genesis. It is happening in our time. Because Paul was asking the Galatians, he said, Oh, ye foolish Galatians, having started in the spirit, are you ending in the flesh? So it can happen to anybody. That is why, and looking at God's position on that, you and I need to fear and to be extremely careful to understand this enemy and to know how to handle it. Man was a living soul from the beginning. He carried the life of God. He carried the image of God. Like I've said, he was a co-worker with God. He fellowshiped with God. He was God's representative on this earth. And so God was seeing to it that Whatever he wanted to do on the earth would be done through his man. And so God gave that man a wife. And then God, after planting everything, he had grown everything. And to help that man, we all know how beautiful the Garden of Eden was. And he made man to understand that he did not create him to look for a living as his primary aim, but that the primary aim of the spiritual man was to co-labor with God, was to superintend over whatever God had made, was to make sure that there was no law to the kingdom of God on the earth, was to make sure that whatever had designed was going according to plan. But how did God turn? And this same man was turned out of the garden. This same man lost all the favor, lost all the glory God had endowed on him, lost all the, the rapport God has established with him, he lost all the privileges God. And God did not even find him fit just to even walk around in the garden. But God said, you cannot be here. You cannot touch anything that I have done. You can no longer be my partner. I can no longer take you in confidence. I can no longer commit anything into your hands. Even the things I have created for your good, I will withdraw them. What happened that God would take such a step? What did sin bring that caused this separation to come to such an extent that God said, I don't want to take anything for granted. So he set even a flaming sword to prevent that life from coming by finding any way 
to touch the tree of life. When you read Genesis chapter 5, you will begin to see that life. The Bible says, this is the book of the generations of Adam. In the day that God created man, in the likeness of God made he him. Male and female created he them, and blessed them, and called their name Adam. In the day when they were created, and Adam lived a hundred and thirty years, and begat a son in his own likeness. After his image, and call his name Set. So that life has its own image, has its own nature, has its own form. But we are learning from Genesis chapter 5 verse 3, because at this point man had been thrown out of the garden. And so Adam had become a sinner. And so we discover that this life was Adam's own, who he really was at this time. A sinful man, the Adamic nature, the old man, the flesh. And so, that is how man cultivated that life. It was a life he made by choice. And even today, you can take that life by choice. Because God showed him what to do and not what to do. But man listened to the woman. Man was deceived by the woman. And the life of Satan was what he collected. The Adamic nature, the life of the flesh. So what is the life of the flesh? So the life of the flesh is the life of man without the spirit of God. And without any recourse to Christ, there is nothing about God, there is nothing about Christ. And like I said, when you go to Isaiah 14, 12 to 14, you see where that life originated from. That was the life of Lucifer, who was so self-centered, who was so arrogant, who was so rebellious, defiant never cared about the glory of God, was never contented with where God had placed him. That was the life for which he was thrown out. And this is the same life that Adam and Eve collected. Uh, God hates that life. We can look at several, several instances of the way God expressed his anger and dislike for this life. When you come to Exodus chapter 17, you will see the first battle. I am begging God, I will be able to just cite this example. Then we come to look at the nature of that life. We want to look at how uncompromising, how God will not countenance the life in any form for a second. So that you and I will be very careful. Because Christians of today, we have become so casual. Most of us, we have taken the grace of God for granted. And we, 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 we don't take the things of God as serious as we ought. But I want to tell you that when you look at what God, the position he took, right from Genesis after drawing man away, he came to Genesis 3.15. And he said, I will set an enmity between you, Satan, and your descendants, and the descendant, the, and the woman and her seed. And so this was how God made it impossible for that evil life, the life of the flesh, to cross into the life of the spirit. So it is not possible under any terms and by any means, for anyone to think, God will ever love the work of the flesh. Or the flesh can change to become spirit. God himself had declared that enmity. 
So if you are of that light, you are enmity against God, not an enemy. If you were an enemy, we could sit down and be reconciled. But you are enmity. I don't know how to define it. Maybe the intellectual can help us later. And so God decreed that. So when the Israelites were coming out, Exodus chapter 17, it was the first battle they fought. And they fought against the Amalekites. And Amalekites are the descendants of Esau. And Esau stands for the flesh. And let us look at what decreed, what God said concerning that. So I think Exodus 17 is in 14. It says, 13, And Joshua discomfited Amalek and his people with the edge of their sword. And the Lord said unto Moses, Write this for a memorial in a book, and rehearse it in the ears of Joshua. For it I will utterly put out the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven. That is God's decree concerning the flesh. You say, I will not allow them to try. I will not allow them to stand in my presence. And wherever they are and forever until Christ comes, I will deal with them. And so when King Saul had the opportunity to accomplish this work, is it First Samuel 15? Something happened. We are only trying to check the way God hates the life of the flesh. So that when we are coming to the Lord's table, we will be very careful that we don't bring anything of the flesh to the table we will beg God so that we will not despise the great price that God has paid. So in First Samuel 15, it says, Samuel also said unto Saul, The Lord sent me to anoint thee to be king over his people, over Israel. Now therefore hearken down unto the voice of the words of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, I remember that which Amalek did to Israel, how he laid wait for him in the way, when he came up from Egypt. Now go and smite Amalek and utterly destroy all that they have and spare them not, but slay both man and woman, infant and suckling, ox and sheep, camel and ass. Hallelujah. So God declared his position to someone. I have not finished dealing with the flesh, but as I have sworn and as I have declared, so shall it be. So Samuel arise and go and destroy everything of the flesh. My prayer is that you and I will be careful to destroy every trace of the flesh in our lives. Because something happened. Oh God. Something happened. Then when the prophet came, Samuel came, verse 14, and Samuel said, no, from verse 13, and Samuel came to Saul, and Saul said unto him, Blessed be thou of the Lord, I have performed the commandment of the Lord. I have dealt with the flesh. May we also follow to deal with the flesh. But listen to verse 14. And someone said, What meaneth this bleating of the sheep in my ears and the lowing of the oxen which I hear? My cry is that God will help her to deal with the flesh in our lives in such a way that when the Holy Spirit comes near, He will not hear any sound. 
Nothing will betray us. Nothing will expose us. Because somewhere, as a man of God, with the Spirit of God could not be deceived. For God's instruction is, I will terminate this life. Brethren, we are not to change the word of God. Neither are we the one to think for God concerning the issues of the flesh. If you play with the flesh, the flesh will deal with you. That was why when Sarah saw Ishmael playing with Isaac, he said, my dear, the flesh, I know where it is from. Because Ishmael stands for the flesh. It is cunning. It is crafty. You give it one inch, it will take one mile. So whether he is playing to help his son Isaac, the born woman and her son can never come into inheritance with my child Isaac. So root them out. And Abraham was dealing down. And God said, what do you mean? You don't know what the flesh is. You don't know the problem you have brought. And your wife wants to help you and you don't. Hurry up. So when Samuel was asking uh, Saul, how about the business? Uh, and Saul said, they have brought them from the Amalekites. For the people spared the best of their sheep and of the oxen to sacrifice unto the Lord thy God. And the rest we have utterly destroyed. Oh my God. My brother, flesh is flesh. There is no flesh which is beautiful. There is no flesh which is handsome or acceptable. No matter how valuable it is. No matter how costly it is. Once it is flesh, God will not accept it. Whether it is an offering, whether it is something for the house of God, whether it is for your own life, God hates the flesh. And that is the position. And so when someone thought, a thought, thought, oh, as for this one there, I hope I'm permitted to move out a little. I'll say, ah, as for this one there, it's fine, oh, let her keep it for, the, for God. It will be a great offering, a sweet-smelling savor unto the Lord. Then Prophet Samuel said, what do you mean? Don't you know it is part of the flesh? There are many Christians like that. What we do is of the flesh. We garnish it. It is not bad per se, but it is flesh. These animals were not bad. They were good. They looked good. They looked healthy. They looked acceptable. A very good offering unto the Lord. God says, no way. So I don't know what you keep as the flesh in your life. I don't know what you treasure. If it is flesh, God hates it. It is flesh. God will never accept it. God will never waste any time to withdraw his anointing upon your life. God will never waste time to withdraw his grace upon your life. God will never waste time to take out, to take you out from ministry or from the position he has placed you. Because of what? Because of the flesh. It happened to Adam. He took them out of the garden. They were no longer in fellowship with God. They were no longer in any time connected with the things of God. They were outside God's agenda. That is what the flesh does to us. The flesh puts us out of God's agenda. We can pray. We can preach. We can do so many things. But if it is of the flesh, it's a waste. You better should have done something else with your time and your money and other things. Because if God look at the God, the only man whom he had put in the garden of Eden, so somebody will ask, hey, you are sending this man out, so who will take care, so who will do that? 
Did God hesitate? God didn't bother about that. God is prepared to let the land lie waste than to allow flesh to contaminate and defile it. And so he was talking to Samuel here. He says, And the Lord sent thee on a journey and said, Go and utterly destroy the sinners, the Amalekites, and fight against them until they be consumed. Wherefore then did thou not obey the voice of the Lord? But they fly upon their spoil, and this evil in the sight of the Lord, to handle the flesh, and to bring the flesh, and to keep the flesh, is evil in the sight of the Lord. Whether it is black, whether it is white, whether it is tall, whether it is short, God hates it. Brethren, it's a matter of God hates it. God hates it. And so we know the end of the matter. Ah, let me take that verse 26, 27, because we don't have time. And someone said unto Saul, I will not return with you, for thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, and the Lord has rejected thee from being king over Israel. And as Samuel turned about to go away, he laid hold upon the skirt of his mantle, and it read, and someone said unto him, The Lord has rent the kingdom of Israel from thee this day, and has given it to a neighbor of thine. That is better than that. Hallelujah. Are you joking with the flesh? What is the life of the flesh? It is, it is the life of man operating with all the capacities and the abilities of man. Your wisdom, your knowledge, your skill, your understanding, your resources, and whatever. Minus Christ. Minus God. Minus the Spirit of God. And it does not bring glory to Christ. And so Paul said that we are the circumcision who worship what? In the Spirit and rejoice in what? And we rejoice in the glory of Christ. That is the flesh. It is the same today. God did not entertain it. God did not care about what will happen to the garden. Why? Because the life of the flesh <laughs> is stubborn beyond description. But let us just take another example. Why is it that the Israelites, only two, Joshua and Caleb, who were at that age, is it 20 and above, were the people who entered the promised land? Let us read the account in Numbers chapter 14, in verse 24. It says, But my servant Caleb, because he had another spirit with him and had followed me fully, him will I bring into the land whereunto he went, and his seed shall possess it. So many people, when you read the account, they have passed the Passover, they had experienced it. They have passed through the clouds. They have passed through the resting. Yet, that is the life of the flesh. When you have time and you read Numbers 14, you will see the nature of the flesh, the way it attacks God, the way it despises God, the way it flaunts itself before God. Just like uh, Satan, Lucifer did. When iniquity was found in his heart, if you look at the boldness that he even had, you don't know how bold the flesh is. They are very bold, very arrogant. How can you, with all the position that God, God has given you, you say, I would want to be this, I would want to be this, I would want to be that, I would want to be like God. And you were confronted, he never said sorry. Adam and Eve never said sorry. They were shifting blades. Adam, 
What happened? He didn't even call the wife wife again. No. He said, the woman. The woman you gave me. I was sitting in my somewhere. And you said you would give me a wife. I would have managed. And now look at the man. No respect for God. No fear for God. No, 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 nothing. Talking to God like his mate. There are Christians and believers like that. When they are talking to authority, when they are even talking, you know straight away that this cannot be the spirit of God. They are so indignant. They will not apologize. They are never straightforward. When God was asking the man, Adam, where are you? What would he, what should he have said? I am hiding. I heard your voice. And I was afraid. He didn't even include the wife. The life of the flesh. Many of us husbands, we live the life of the flesh. So even when your baby, the woman has given birth and the baby, He said, I am on my own. At first, they were naked. They were not ashamed. But when the life of the flesh came, they say, each one for himself, God for us all. Are you a husband like that? It's the life of the flesh. And because of the life of the flesh came in, man had the impudence to even redefine the purpose and the essence of the woman. Because God said, I will give you a help meet suitable for your help. But Adam gave his wife name Eve. And he said he shall be the mother of all the living. The life of the flesh. It will never accept anything that God has done. It never takes into consideration that there is a God to fear. It, does, it, it, it never takes consideration that there is the omnipotent and the almighty God to bow down to. They will never bow. They will never fear. They will never hesitate. Each one for himself. And so when, is it not the two of them who were hiding? But when God calls, I heard, is he the only one who heard the voice? Did the wife not hear? That is the life. Self-centeredness. It doesn't matter what happened to others. That is the self-life. It does not recognize and appreciate God in any way. I was talking to some friends, and they were telling me, you say you are a believer. You don't want to follow the constitution. And, and the Bible says, then they quote Romans 13. And I said, brother, let's just quote Romans 13 well. What is it? Governments are there appointed by God unto good works. So, so long as it is good works, we will abide. But if it is contrary, I will never place that order. Daniel never placed the order of the king above the order of his God. The, the, the king also wrote his own constitution. Daniel said, I am an administrator, I am a politician. But this one, it despises the living God. And it is he who created the heavens and the earth. And the fullness thereof. And all that there is. All power belongs to him. So any power that does not derive from God. And you are a believer and you are accepting you have betrayed Christ. That was why the disciples said. There are times also there was a constitution. Did we not tell you. That you should not preach in this man's name. He said, judge for yourself. Judge for yourself. Whether you are bigger than God, for me to listen to you more than to listen to God. But many, in the way we do things in the church, at times their constitutions withdraw, at times their bylaws and others, they don't glorify God. But we would want to defend it about the word of God. I will never. Don't. Because God is the head of all. Even when he was telling the Israelites, I know you will backslide. And you appoint yourself a king. No problem. But when you appoint yourself a king, he cannot rule by his judgment. 
write a copy of the book of the law and put beside him so that he will rule by that way. So I don't know how you have been seeing and understanding this because the flesh created the world. When I am talking of the world, I am not talking of the elements, but the systems. When God drove man out of the garden, when there was nothing for man to dwell on, when there was nothing to organize his life, man had to define that is the world. So the systems and the practices of this world are of the flesh. They don't give God glory. They don't give God praise. They don't rejoice in what Christ has done. That is the greatest matter. And so I don't know how you understand the flesh. How you perceive the flesh at your workplace. When I was working, I was working with Indians. And then whenever we want to do anything, they will share coconut and others. So they brought the coconut to me one day. I said, I won't take. The man was saying, I said, I'm ready to pack. I won't take. Why? I will never submit to anything that is not of God. Because if I am born again, I am born from above and God is my father and it is unto him I owe allegiance. Nothing. Some may take it for arrogant better. If it will be to glorify God. So modernism and many things have crept even into the church to such an extent that when you are in the church, you will struggle. I have struggled many times in my church. Oh, your own is too much. Your own is that. I say I have died. You, you don't know how I was saved. For 19 years, I never went to church. My father was a church elder. He had an idol under his bed. That was where I was training to drink. And if this God has saved me, you want me to come and gamble with my life again? Never. I won't. So, brethren, the matter of the flesh, we can go on and on and on. You saw the wife. You saw the woman. They were living together but not married. They called themselves man and wife but not married. At times, it is the woman you will meet. Why are you not carrying the name of your husband? Uh, I had established this ministry, and this way I have made the name already. It's flesh. And so we agreed that I will carry the name to maintain that. It is flesh from the woman. The husband you have submitted to flesh. Change it. Because you are changing God's order. The brother was a prophetess. But we know and we discover from the scriptures that she was obedient to the husband and submitted to the husband. That is God's order. We can never take it for granted or change it for anything. So the life of the flesh, brethren, when we come to the way Paul was saying it, the instruction Jesus gave, and he said, we, 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 it is such a solemn occasion for Christ to break his body for you and say, this is my body which is broken for you. And then he will pour the wine and say, this is my blood. This is the new covenant. Meaning that all the old things have passed away. It is the new creation life. Christ living in us, but that will be for tomorrow. And still to continue to live the old life. First Corinthians chapter 5 from the beginning. He said what? How can you keep the, fe- the feast with the old living? It is not proper. It is the life of the flesh. And as that judgment came upon those people, the judgment will come upon us. If God will not grant us the grace to live the life of the Spirit, the provision has been made. And my brothers, 
my sisters, let us use this occasion to correct every wrong and to walk in the spirit so that the Lord will not find us guilty. We have begun in the spirit. Let us continue in the spirit. We shall never end in the flesh by the grace of God. And so it is saying, 1 Corinthians 5, 7 and 8, it says, Purge out therefore the old living, that ye may be a new lamp, as you are unliving. For even Christ, our Passover, is sacrificed for us. Therefore let us keep the feast, not with old living, neither with the living of malice and wickedness, but with the unliving bread of sincerity and truth. That was swine on the day of their Passover. The Israelites did what? They baked on living bread. It was a symbol of what? The new life. Of the new creation reality. Where, where the old life was gone. Where the old life had no part to play. And so that is the way we ought to continue. That is the way we ought to live our life. When you continue to look through, look at the New Testament. Look at the genealogy. Whether you see the descendants of Esau in the genealogy, you won't. It's the life of the flesh. The life of the flesh has no inheritance in the kingdom of God. Things done with our own wisdom. Things done with our own experience. Things done with our own skill. Without being led. By the Spirit of God. Originating from the Spirit of God. Guided by the Spirit of God. Ending in the Spirit of God. To give glory to Christ. Is of the flesh. No matter what. We cannot. So when you look at scripture. In Exodus chapter 31. You ask yourself. But these people. Did they not have any wisdom already? Uh, Aholiab and the others. I, 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 I look at how God did it. And I say praise be to God. Because he said. Uh, 1 to 3. 31. Exodus. And the Lord spoke unto Moses saying. See. I have called by name Bezaliel. The son of Uri. The son of her. Of the tribe of Judah. And I have filled him. With the spirit of God. In wisdom, and in understanding, and in knowledge, and to all manner of workmanship, even in the Old Testament. So how can we, who are living under Christ, do anything with our experience? At times when you meet some of the brethren, oh, let us pray. They say, this is not the place of prayer. Prayer has sustained. Be careful. What can we do without prayer? Is it not, I never understood prayer till one day the Lord told me just recently that, ah, when we are talking of prayer, when any son has a good father, look at how the son always longs to go to the father and even embrace him and talk to him. And so why should it be difficult for you to think prayer is work, is a labor? You must enjoy it. I enjoy prayer. Because I'm going to talk to a good father. Because he will answer all my questions. Because he's always expecting me. But when you are talking of something, they say, this is not the place of prayer. They will say, as for you, they tell me, you come and you pray your long, long, long prayer. Stop. Brethren, there is nothing we can do. There is nothing of the flesh that can ever survive. There is nothing that we do. Because when man sins, he became corrupted. The nature was so corrupted that God could not do anything with it. If God could do with that nature, we would not have, there, would not, there was no need for us to be born again. But God discovered that the sinful nature gives us such a stony heart. No matter what you tell the person, no matter the counsel, no matter the advice, he will just look at you like that. And he will tell you, I know what I will do. And so God said, 
This life, there is nothing I can do about it. This life, it cannot help me in any way. Oh, brothers, when you take time to look at the Old Testament, when Adam and Eve sinned, and you look at the display, look, cover up, cover up. They sinned. They discovered they were naked. Hey, and they were ashamed. And they decided to do what? To cover up. Let someone do something that is not right. And let, be frank and be bold and accept. He will cover up. He will be winding. He will not be open and sincere. But God said, you cannot. It's the life of the flesh. It's the life of the flesh. No matter what a man achieves, when you read Philippians chapter 3, you will see, maybe I don't know how many of us who have been able to surpass the, 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 the fleshly life of Paul. Look at his background. Look at where he came from. So I don't know, my brother, my sister, with what are you so particular about that when people get it wrong, it offends you? Your name, your, your stature, your position, your, your importance, your privileges, your rights. Who told you that you have rights? Which Christian has got, if Christ is the one who lives in me, what is my right? And so to insist, uh, don't, I, don't I have this, don't I do that, that life died. That life of the flesh, it died. That life that will never accept to say, okay, I will change my position and see what is right. It died. And like I said, it found no place in the purpose of God. It found no place. Look at the punishment. God says, if this is the life you have chosen, don't worry. You have rejected everything I have offered you freely. Go and start afresh. And so he said, he sent them out of the garden to go and do what? And till the ground, to start afresh. Because the first one is not to till the ground. The Bible says God has grown everything. And he asked them to do what? To dress it and to keep it. God has laid the foundation for everything. But the life of the flesh, God said, go and begin afresh. And you begin under a curse. Until you know that I am God. And so today many are suffering. Brethren, what is your life? What is your Christian life? What is your secret life? Because when I look at the way God said it, and the Apostle Paul said it, when you are coming to the communion to take up the great price that God himself paid, and to play with it, to treat it with contempt, to exalt self above the spirit, is too dangerous. It's too dangerous. Are you living the life of the flesh? No one can control you. When we come to the Old New Testament, we can see some of these things. Like I said, when you begin to understand what happened in the garden, and then you will begin to understand some of the things. For example, let me begin from Romans chapter 8, from verse 4. It says, from verse 5, For they that are after the flesh, they do mind the things of the flesh. Those who are born after the flesh, they have their mind fixed on the things of the flesh, not on the things of God, not on the things of the Spirit but the things which come from there alone. And so if they do anything and they are not accepted and another man is accepted, they take offense. They want the first place in everything. They want to be recognized. They want to be appreciated at the expense of others. For them to lower themselves, never. They will not. They will have a very good reason. Such people... That is their mindset. That is who they are. It says, 
For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh. But they that are after the spirit, the things of the spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. If you read Romans chapter 7, you will see the carnal life. When Paul knew what was good, but he could not do it. And so he discovered and he said to himself, what a wretched man that I am. And so there are many believers. When we also didn't know it, we were also struggling to overcome sin. And so they say, don't watch TV. They say, don't do this. They say, wear your dress for the time all the bottles will come that day. They say, don't greet a lady. They say, go and kneel on rocks. All these are works of the flesh. They do not give righteousness. They do not promote anything that is good. It is only when we come to the cross. It says, because the carnal mind is enmity against God. For it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot, no matter how much you try, you cannot please God. You desire to please Him in principle, but in practice, you will always fall. You check and you find out it is because of Him, that man who is in you. Because he had taken the seat of God and he would not allow God to have his own way. Which is your life? Is, is your life the life of the flesh or the life of the spirit? Maybe to close. Let us see, like we said, some of the ways, some of the manifestations of the life of the flesh. When you look at Galatians chapter 5, you will see what we are talking about. The life of the flesh. So it says, Galatians 5 from verse 19. It says, Now the works of the flesh are manifest. Okay, this is the King James. So the right King James. Let me go to the Old Living Bible. Let me see. It says, what, when you are guided, but when you follow your own wrong inclinations. So the life of the flesh has wrong inclinations. When you go to Genesis chapter 6, you will see what goes. It says, the thinking of these people is forever and forever evil. It is growing even more evil. And there is no tendency and there is no inclination for them to repent and turn back. The Adamic nature does not repent. It cannot turn back. It has set itself on course for destruction. That is the human nature. When it is also the lower nature. It is the life of the flesh. You see, but when you follow your own wrong inclinations, your life will produce these evil results. Impure thoughts, eagerness for lustful pleasure, idolatry, spiritism, that is encouraging the activity of demons, hatred and fighting, jealousy and anger, constant effort to get the best for yourself. So when you don't get it, you don't celebrate. It is your best friend. He was, he was awarded he was promoted. For one week, you have no call. He called. Oh, why haven't you called my phone? Oh, you lie. You are not happy. Meanwhile, when you see him, you will laugh. And you say what? Peace and many blessings, but there is no peace in your heart. In the life of the flesh, we must deal with it. What we must know is, all of us were born like that. I was born of the flesh. Maybe... When I talk of the things I've done in the flesh, you thank God that your own is not worse like my own. I read books. Books by Lobson Rampa, books by Ted I, this die, this die. I read a certain book, Nathan, my brother. 
We say that all the tricks Jesus did, all the miracles Jesus did were tricks. We have read books by Dennis Whitley, occulting books. So for us to be saved, Master, <laughs> we, we almost went. <laughs> Hallelujah. And so we must fear it was the life of the flesh. We were looking for knowledge. We were looking for many things. And we thought that was the way. Spiritism. No. It says that everyone else is strong except those in your own little group. And there will be wrong doctrine, envy, murder, drunkenness, wild parties and all that sort of thing. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. This is the word of God. Plus many others. Even as the man was thrown out of the garden, so will you be thrown out of the garden. And you will come under judgment. If you don't continue on to the end, like I have said, even the good things, you have good ideas, you have good thoughts. For even Jesus, who did not carry anything evil, he denied self. He laid himself aside. So unless you bring all those things under the Holy Spirit to be refined and to be controlled by the Holy Spirit, so that in the end, Christ will be glorified, you are abusing your talent. You are abusing whatever God has committed into your hands. My brother, my sister, what is your life? What are the challenges? I also want to say in closing that this life, this challenge never ends. So long as you are living, Galatians 5, 17 says this, that challenge will be there. So you are not an angel. It is only angels who are not subjected to that, that battle in their bodies. It can take place in your mind. It can take place in your heart. But how do you control it? Because Galatians 5.17 says, For the flesh lusts against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary the one to the other, so that you cannot do the thing that you would. Like I said, do you see Romans 7? What Paul needed to do, he couldn't. Because there was another law. Hallelujah. But we thank God that we have victory over self. For Romans 8 was there is therefore now no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus. Who walk after the flesh, uh, after the spirit and not after the flesh. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set us free from the law of sin and death. And so, brethren, there is a way out. So long as you are living, the challenge will always be there. The flesh will speak to you, but it is a matter of choice. Tomorrow, God willing, we will see the way out and see how we can live the life of the spirit. But the flesh is common. We inherited it from our fathers. It is an impossible way to heaven. At times, it is difficult to lay it aside. But when you don't lay it aside, there is nothing you can get. Unless you die, you can never get what you ought to get. Neither can you ever be. Don't let it cost you. Don't let it pain you to lay down self, to deny self. You need to deny it. You need to Forget about it and come to the cross because what the cross gives us, oh, you have no idea. But like I said, we want to pray. Please, how many minutes? Do we have four minutes? We want to pray. I need prayer because in the bush, flesh will always talk to you, you are in darkness. You can ask, so why am I in the darkness? Three weeks darkness. Two weeks darkness. 
like I was coming today, they called me, my brother, there is no food, so what are we doing? Why? And so flesh will talk to you. We told you, this way you are following. Friends can even tell you that. My friends have told me, they believe something is wrong with my mind. And they would want to come and take me to the psychiatric hospital. Because they don't understand why. With all that God has endowed with, I will live in the bush. I said, thank you. So flesh will talk to you. But we need to talk back to flesh. We thank God for Jesus Christ. It challenges us every day. It challenges us every moment. Unless you are an angel. But we want to pray. You pray for yourself. The Lord. I have seen how you hate the flesh. I have seen how you will not tolerate the flesh. I have seen how you will not mind. No matter the investment you have made to allow it to go with than the flesh to be in charge. We saw it in the garden. So Lord, reveal to me the cross. Reveal to me the cross. Father, in the name of Jesus, 